I'm Lisa Bontesumi, and this is the Ath Mindset podcast series on sports epreneur. This podcast series is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. Eric Kazimoff of Sports Epreneur is generously hosting the Ath Mindset podcast series on his platform as he deeply believes that these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. This is the Ath Mindset podcast series on Sports Epreneur. Sports Epreneur, the content platform where sports, entrepreneurship, and mental health collide. If you are looking to start a podcast or create original content, you have to talk with the team at Sports Epreneur. I work with them and I vouch for them. It's that simple. Go to sportse.io to learn more. Reggie Walker is an ex-NFL athlete and captain, a mental, physical, and sexual abuse survivor and survivor advocate, a TEDx speaker, a best-selling author, entrepreneur, consultant, and problem solver. So Reggie, welcome. I just kind of put out a bunch of descriptors of you, but like that's kind of what you've done and what you do. But like, who are you? Who am I? I would say that I'm a lot of things. <laughs> I would say I'm a lot of things, but I would say first and foremost, a helper. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to help at the end of the day. I get a lot of joy out of it. A lot of things that I do are based around helping and empowering people. I feel like that's, you know, my mission is to help redirect people to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I feel like it's a mission and, you know, I have a team helping me. So it's been great. I love that. You help people redirect them to themselves. That's deep. I've actually experienced it firsthand from you helping me with that redirection. So (laughs) I love it. I mean, where do you think, I mean, you have played professional football in the NFL. Were you always like this? Was part of who you were the whole time you were playing as well? Or is this something that you've kind of become? It's something that I definitely became. I've always been a helper. I've always been, people have issues, they have problems, they need someone, shoulder to lean on, someone to cry on. I've always been that person. But the thing that really changed was when I was transitioning out of the NFL and I had the chance to finally re-examine my life because you have to understand, I've been playing sports all my life. I've been go, go, go my whole adult life until that point. And then when I finally had a chance to take a breath and really look at myself in the mirror, that's when I faced the music. Like I realized I wasn't living life how I wanted to. I wasn't doing things how I wanted to, there was a lot of things that I had put on the back burner to make it in the NFL that had a very negative effect on me afterwards. But the best part about it, though, was when I went into my depression and went into my pit and, you know, I basically went into a cave for three years, it made me. Going through what really ended up being, it was like a hell on earth scenario. I was very depressed, very suicidal, had no purpose, no plan, no nothing, just nothing. And I sat in it. I sat in it and I examined it. 
and I really started examining myself and understanding why I was the way that I was. How did I get here? And I started really answering a lot of the hard questions that I was running from my whole life. And that's why I say it made me because those three years of doing that and then really finally walking in truth, instead of a lot of falsehoods to make myself feel better, I started actually walking in myself the good and bad and and indifferent. And it was very empowering, but it was definitely a process. Yes. Wow. Thanks for sharing all that. I mean, I've learned too from the athletes I work with, this scenario that you just described of you have to almost lose yourself and focus on one aspect of yourself to perform at the highest level as a professional athlete. It's essential to cut off those other identities or the other parts of yourself to actually dedicate and put all that work into it. It's almost a liability to actually walk in your truth at that time. It very much is. It's a liability. You do not have the time to work on yourself unless you come into the situation already having these skills you're pretty much done for. That's why a lot of us, when a lot of athletes in general, when they do decide to walk away from their sport, they go through that period. We might last a couple months, might last a couple of years of really like, man, I haven't answered any questions about myself. I have no idea who I am. I don't know why I do the things that I do. And it's just because it's what it takes to yeah. succeed. In that environment, in that very toxic, <laughs> very, it's funny bringing that up too, because I was talking to my business partner and uh, a lot of people don't really think about these high paying jobs and these very successful people that the things that they do nine times out of 10 is extremely mentally toxic. Yes. It's very toxic in all these jobs and all these positions that a lot of us, you know, have strived for the doctors, the lawyers, the professional athletes. CEOs. These are all very toxic positions to be in mentally. Very much so. But we get away from that because a lot of people still believe money equals happiness. And money equals fulfillment and stability. No, it does not. <laughs> you can just buy whatever you were and however bad you were, and you can just amplify it. That's all I can do and buy you more time. Yeah. Oh, that's an important <laughs> point. Because there's so many ways those professions are glorified. You know, all the ones that you just listed are glorified. And it's the layperson doesn't get an inside scoop into what the reality really is. Grow up to be a doctor, a lawyer, a professional athlete. Oh, you're the sort of star of the family. When inside you're dying, if you don't have the tools to utilize, but you're three years in a cave. Was that directly after you left football? It was directly after I left. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what were the circumstances and of you leaving Reggie on that last team? I, I was completely going crazy. I was losing it. I was basically keeping it together for a lot of years because with dealing with a lot of the trauma, I handled it well sometimes and I handled it terribly other times. And then other times in between, I put band-aids on it because a lot of times things need to get done. And to really give yourself that emotional, like to really give yourself the things that are needed to be emotionally stable, you don't have the time. No. And it, it was just unfortunate. You don't have the time and you don't have the knowledge either. 
especially thinking like, you know, I can just put this off to the side. I don't have to talk about this. I don't have to deal with this. I can do this. I can do that. It gets lost. Like you get lost mm-hmm. and you don't even know. But the three years that I did, I spent finding myself. It's what we all go through in finding yourself. So like, and even with a lot of people, it makes me think a lot of people who are dealing with athletes or people who are transitioning, man, that support system, it's so needed. Because emotionally, you're going through so many just terrible, terrible things and having that help is imperative. Yeah. And that means a lot for you to say for all those listeners out there right now to hear it from you, a former professional athlete, to talk about that and be so open about your own struggles and depression and being a suicide survivor. That helps people feel like, oh, if he can talk about it, I can talk about it too. And that's powerful. I mean, just in telling your story, you're helping people. Yeah, that's the reason why I say it. But there's a lot of me's. There's more of us like me than you think as far as people done things and been very successful. Yes, on paper. Very successful on paper. But have really deep, deep emotional issues, still health issues that are caused, that have been the byproduct of trauma. Yes. But that same trauma was a key element in why they were successful in the first place. Exactly. And I am most athletes, which is the craziest part about it. Like when I was comfortable talking about getting sexually abused my fifth or sixth year in the NFL, the thing that shocked me about it the most, because I confided in my team the most, was the reactions. It wasn't like what I thought it was going to be as far as people saying like, oh, it's gross. I can't believe that happened oh, poor you, suck it up, or whatever. It was, man, same thing happened to me. Wow. I was like, whoa. So as far as mental, physical, sexual abuse, when I talked to guys, it was 9 out of 10 that I talked to about it. Same thing happened to them. And people don't understand. What do you think it takes to be this barbarian of an individual and do the job? It's a violent sport. It's the most violent sport there is. And a violent person plays a sport. And, and there's a root to that violence that at the same time that's helping them succeed is at the same time deteriorating mm-hmm. them on the inside, mm-hmm. which is exactly what happened to me. Mm. Wow. Wow. And so I do want to take the time to say mental health, feeling suicidal, mental health disorders. Those are all different things. I do want to say that. And you and I both know that. Like yes. we all have mental health, like we all have physical health. Mm. Right. But when there is an injury, just like a physical health to our mental health, like trauma, our mental health is compromised and will decline. And feeling suicidal and maybe even acting on it or dying from are the most extreme manifestations of a mental health disorder, which is in the form of depression. And so people really need to know that, that you were all the way there. You were all All the way. Yeah. And that trauma, you know, in the most severe mental health diagnoses, trauma is present in 90% of them. And so you are a living example of enduring surviving all of that trauma your own mental health challenges and now you're here helping people and being 
an awesome human and a dad and a husband yeah. and all these things. I mean, that gives so much hope to people that there is recovery. There is learning yourself. There is worth in moving through the tough, horrible, just painful stuff. So I can't appreciate you enough for being so open because I know you know the impact you make when you can. Thank you so much. And I can say the same to you with the impact that you're making. And it's amazing to even be talking to you and understand the great work that you've been doing. And I'm even amazed at the work that you're going to be doing in the future with everything that you have on the table right now that we've talked about. But it's great for me to even talk to you about this because you understand. Yes. And there's so many people that just don't understand because to me, it's obvious. It's you put two and two together, you're going to get four. This is what happens. Yeah. And then you being able to elaborate it so people could understand it. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're in this thing together, Reggie, forever. Right. Forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other point too about trauma, especially with the sport of football, that is actually, tell me if this was your experience in some of the football players I work with. It's actually a place where you cope with the trauma. You're able to manage the trauma because trauma can live in our bodies. It's a physiological manifestation. And so when you're out there, like you said, being a barbarian, you're actually expressing all of that trauma that's held in the body that you never uh-huh. really were able to. It's a place that's desired for a lot of people. Would you agree? Oh, 100% agree. It's empowering. It gives you confidence. It gives you control. And the thing is, it gives you three things that you are not getting in your regular life. None of us, especially given a lot of us have really deep-rooted trauma. Because there has to be fuel to get to this point. It is a big thing that I try to explain to people, like the difference between a high school athlete, a college athlete, and a professional athlete. And the biggest difference is the reason they were there in the first place. Like, I was a professional athlete because I wanted to be happy. I thought that because I was miserable and I felt if I could go and be a professional athlete and that was like my American dream, have the kids, have the wife, have a great job, do something that everyone says is glorifies and everything, it would give me what I didn't have. And the thing was about it, I was damn sure going to make sure that I was going to be happy or die trying. Mm -hmm. So when you're competing against me, that's what you're competing against. And that's why I rose to the top. But then when I get to the top, I'm competing against everyone like me. I'm going to make sure this or die trying. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why even when I explain to a lot of people, like, professional sports is not a fun thing. (laughs) It is a war because everyone else is the same mentality as you. I'm going to beat you or die trying every day is that every single day. And if I lose, I can't compete again. I can't get any of that release. I can't give any, any of the confidence, any of that, the things that this being out there is giving me Mm -hmm. because I don't have it any other way. I don't have any other coping skills. I've never had the time to even develop coping skills like that outside of my sport because my sport has taken up all my time. So people are really fighting with everything they have to make sure they're there every day. And if you're not coming to the table with that mentality, you can't even compete. Yes. Which is the crazy part about it. Yeah. You have to go in there in a life or death situation 
because it is life or death. Um, that's how it is literally. on that football field. Yeah. And that's how we were taking it. Yeah. <laughs> and life or death. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really interesting, too, if we parallel that, too, Reggie, to the trauma response of fight or flight, right? There's a fight or flight within us when we experience trauma. We either flee, like try to run away from it, repress it, push it down, suppress it, or we fight. And I mean, I think football is the greatest, you know, opportunity to fight that is like permissive and glorified. So oh, yeah, you can be the most violent person of all time and it's all good. And then when you're not playing, you have to be the exact opposite person, which causes a world of problems. Yeah. Because none of us are these people. Like this is just like me on the football field. That's a couple hours. That's like literally the, it's a persona. Like me being super church guy, got a Bible book. I came from heaven to tell everyone how amazing everything is. Like you have to literally be that. Both people. Those are the people that are glorified. But you're in the middle. You are in the middle. You have good qualities, bad qualities. You're good and you're bad. You do good things, you do bad things. You have good thoughts, you have bad thoughts. You're And then that combination of that is who, what makes us. And you're never that ever. And it's highly discouraged. And then at the same time, you're also in this situation, it's life or death to you. I got to be happy. I got to make it. I got to make sure mom and dad and everyone's taken care of. I have to make sure everyone's out of these things. This is life or death for me. Yeah. So it just breeds, breeds problems for people. And that's why I'm like, really trying to be on the forefront. I work myself in our team. We work ourselves every day to make sure we're on the forefront helping these people. That's why, you know, I made the course and I wrote the book to solve this, to help give these people these skills that you don't get while you're playing, but you actually do use them. You just aren't aware of them. You're only using it towards football or basketball or whatever sport you're playing. You're not using it towards life. A lot of these skills. Strong life skills, really. I mean, mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Let's talk about first the three years in your cave. What helped you come out of that cave? What was essential for you to be able to come out with your head up and your chest out and like just walk in your truth? What helped with that? I made a decision to look at the truth and look at myself in the face, no matter what it was. And I did not run from it. And I wanted to know it so I could fix it. So I could, if there was problems, I could fix the actual problems, not the things before, like the actual root. Like I wanted to fix the thing and that was causing me so much strife and, and making me so angry and depressed. Like I wanted to find answers and I was willing to go through whatever it took to find those answers. And to be honest with you, it was a very brutal process because in life, there's very difficult truths that are very tough to swallow about yourself. They're very difficult pills to take in, but you got to swallow them. And the thing is, when you've been running from certain aspects of yourself for years, taking that pill initially is brutal. But then if you take it day in and day out, you don't run from it, you sit with it, you're okay with it, it gets easier. And then it becomes empowering. Mm -hmm. 
Because now you're not putting up any mass. You're not trying to be something you're not. You're not trying to be somebody you're not. You're not thinking about how can I make everyone around me feel good with things that aren't genuine for me. It's like you're actually walking in the world as yourself. It's completely empowering because you're walking on your actual strengths that exist in reality, not just in your head, (laughs) not just stuff you're telling yourself. You're actually walking in your actual strength. And you can't get through that process if you're lying to yourself and you're not being real and honest with yourself about what you are, why you are the way that you are, and looking at yourself not from, oh, I screwed up, but really coming from a loving, like, man, it's easy to make a mistake. It's easy to lie to yourself about something. It's easy to be wrong in having that, saving that space, holding that space for yourself. And that's literally how I did it. I held space to I held space for loving myself. And then I took the hard pills. Wow. And I did not run from it. I wanted to, but I went to a treatment center twice. Thank God I went. And when I went to the treatment center both times, like it was nothing but hard truth. Seven hours a day. Six, seven hours a day, six days a week. You're going to Reg, take this. <laughs> when you say a treatment center, Reggie, are you talking about treatment for mental health or treatment for substance use or misuse? The treatment center that I was at was for both. Oh. And it was also there for traumatic brain injuries too. Oh. It had everything. So when uh-huh. I was in there, I was there with people who had brain injuries. I had people in there that were meth addicts, heroin addicts, alcoholics, people. And the thing that really helped me was understanding I'm just like them. I'm exactly like them. I chose football to cope. They chose drugs or they chose that. But at the base, like they're just like me. They're just like me. Wow. What a humbling experience. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. Spending your your daughter's birthday in a treatment center, you got to call them. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, it's brutal. I even get choked up thinking about it. Yeah. It had to be done yeah, to heal, to get through the issues that came up over the years. Like it had to be done. Yeah. So I don't take it back for anything. I'm glad. At least I missed one birthday so I could be there for the rest of mm. So. Yes. That's what I did. Yeah. What I think is important to note is that we've never talked about this, but are you a religious man or a spiritual man? I would say more spiritual than religious. Okay. I ask that because it feels like you had to be something bigger than yourself to push you towards that, right? Yeah. I was tired of not like being myself and living life how I wanted to live it on my terms. I was sick of it. But I guess, Reggie, my thing is a lot of people could have taken a different direction with that. Like you went towards healing. Other people could, and we've seen it, go to drug use, alcohol use, mistreating themselves, mistreating other people. Like, there's so many ways you could have gone with it, but somehow your pure determination, your willingness to get help, your willingness to be humble and know that there's something wrong and you want to be better, I think those are all so important to name. Yeah, and also curiosity, because that's the thing that saved me too. At the end of the day, instead of, the black and white thinking of things like no matter what, it's only going to happen this way. There's nothing I can do. 
you know, I was curious. I was curious if this is going to end up bad. Well, let's play it out. Let's see how it happens. What could be like, worse? Don't, I guess, right? It could be worse. I was at a point, and then when I was getting the help, I wasn't coming from the perspective that I have all the answers. I knew I did. And I was curious to find what the actual answers were to help me. I, it, curiosity is a big thing because especially when you're dealing with that trauma and black and white thinking, it crushes you. But curiosity is what got me out of it. Okay, if this is going to turn out bad, let's see. If this is going to be good, mm-hmm. let's see. And I kept making that choice every time to make sure I, like, I saw for my own two eyes and felt with my own two hands what the truth actually was instead of just playing the mind games over it. You got to get out of it. Yeah. And that's a really difficult thing to do. That's why I say curiosity is a huge thing as well. Oh, that's great. That's great to point out. And I think the way the mind can be our most beneficial asset, but also our worst enemy, depending on how we understand the power of our mind, you know, on each side. And I think the work I do too with athletes is helping them see that they have more power than they realize over their thoughts about their thoughts, and then they dictate then how it feels and then their behaviors all start with the mind. And so I'll start with the mind. It all starts with the mind. So let's bring it now to now. You mentioned your course and your book. Tell us more about them. Yeah. So I wrote a book, Game Within a Game. It's on Amazon right now. It was the best seller. It's basically a manual for athletes to give them five things, help them find themselves during this process, their purpose, a plan of how to actually be successful in this environment, help them understand the environment, and then help provide them a structure that they can use to be successful in any environment that they want to be in afterwards. Because I really wanted to help them not only succeed while they're doing their sport, but afterwards as well, and help basically bridge that gap in translation. Because like I told you, I'm an entrepreneur and everything that I do as an entrepreneur, I learned like on the football field, the business terminology and all that is different, but I did these things while I was in a professional or college football environment. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact same thing, like a lot team dynamics, understanding people. It's a lot of it is the exact same thing. And it took me a while to understand that I wasn't screwed (laughs) when I got done playing. Because a lot of us, when you're done, you're like, I was good at football. What else could I do? It's a confidence thing that you have to get through at first. But I took a lot of BS jobs and (laughs) to challenge myself to see like, or if I'm a bum, let's go see. Like if I can't do anything, let's go see. And I realized by actually doing these jobs and not staying in my head, actually doing something about it, I realized, whoa, I'm very Mm -hmm. skilled. Very, very skilled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everything I learned was from football. And just life and the situations you deal with in that football environment. So it was very empowering. But the book got made into a course. And then the course is college accredited. It's in Forbes Business School. It's in a bunch of colleges now. Oh, yeah. We just found out it's in Harvard and it's Stanford now. And yeah, soon to be internationally with some of the partnerships that we got. So it's been going up in a really great way. And I'm just glad that a lot of the universities themselves, because we put 
a lot of work into this course. And like while I was going through that cave period for three years, I wrote that course at the same time. Oh, in the wow. Book. Wow. And I wrote a program. It was a program at the time in the book. And then I ended up combining the book and the program to make the course. But yeah, I was fully suicidal. I was fully didn't know what all I knew was like I wanted to help. And I wanted to help people not be where I was at mm-hmm. and do the things that I did that helped me to get to where I was at, mm-hmm. that I saw other athletes do. So it's like a big book, <laughs> I feel like, of uh, common sense. <laughs> so <laughs> a big book of common sense. But yeah, it's common sense now, but you're definitely not going to know it while you're going through it. So like, I wanted to make it a real easy manual for these kids to understand, to help them through this process and give them something that I hadn't gotten while I was going. So that's um, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's been it's amazing. amazing. I mean, just hearing about it is amazing. I think that what you're pointing out is that athletes, they learn a lot beyond the sport. They develop intrinsic skills that are transferable to life, to a career, to even parenting. But I think something like your book and your course is that translation, is that bridge that help people realize that you know more than you realize and that you have more skills than you ever thought you did. It's just like, we just need to just shift it a little bit, the lens, and then translate it differently. And then that's what it is. So that's what it is. Exactly. That is exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take much. Mm -hmm. It's really a perspective change. Yes. Like explaining to athletes, like, dude, you've done this already. You've done this a thousand times. Except instead of this situation, here is you're doing this exact same thing in this situation. And once athletes really understand that, they realize like, whoa, success principles are success principles, period. Yeah. It doesn't matter what environment. Yeah. And I know these principles because I've worked them every day for years. I just apply them to this and I will be fine. But that that confidence, it takes a long time to gain that confidence. A lot of internal work. Yes. Yes. The confidence in that development of the multidimensional identities that every human has, including a professional athlete. Like you said, that's all you did for so long. I mean, the Mm -hmm. sport raised you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? And so when you leave it, it's like, oh, I'm not that anymore. So I'm nothing like, yeah, I'm absolutely nothing. And so to help these skills as the building blocks of them being able to, you being able to be empowered and identify who you are back to walking in your truth, walking in your strength, all of it, all of it, not going to limit ourselves. We're going to look at all of the different identities there. So I think that is so many. You're and then, all these things. And yet, You're and all these things. You have a reason to literally live now. Mm-hmm. Now you have a reason. And that's the thing. Like you go through that period. I, that's why I always tell people to sit with themselves, go through the period of finding yourself so you can gain the empowerment, but you can have the reason to live. That's what made me figuring out what actually brought me joy and made me happy and made me fulfilled, gave me reason to be here. So you need to find that. You got to sit with yourself. (laughs) Because eventually that's going to keep bringing it rearing its head. You got to sit with yourself. Find yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You've got to move through it, not under and around it or skip it. 
can't skip it. Can't skip it. And it sucks. <laughs> it, can, it sucks for a yeah. while. That's for sure. So but then it gets better. Yes. Yeah. So what do you do on the day-to-day? What are your routines or practices that keep you sound and grounded and centered? You know, with optimal mental health. Like, what do you do for yourself? Well, one, I'm a big walker. Mm. Big walker. I am a big pacer. Like, I just, I walk. I go on these walks and I'll go on walks and not think of anything. They're like real meditative. It's either I'm going to walk and I'm going to think the whole time or I'm not going to think at all. Like, I make the choice before I go on a walk because with being an entrepreneur in all the different areas that we work in, it's a lot to mentally balance. So I give myself those times to just think and I give myself those times to not think about anything whatsoever. I'll go to the gym, get my little workout in. I don't do anything like I used to. I <laughs> don't. <laughs> no desire. You'll never catch me on YouTube posting workout videos because you don't want to see it. But, you know, we'll work out. Or I try to really watch what I eat. Sometimes I'm better than it with others, but my whole thing about eating is like, I want to be able to think clearly and think balanced and be able to use all my mental faculties to the best for optimal performance. So I eat nine times out of 10 that way, or I won't eat at all. I like fasting. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of mm-hmm. fasting, but everything that I said to it works for yeah. me. Like it helps me stay yeah. level. And Everybody really has to go through that that period of what makes you love, like figuring that out for yourself. And I realized I got to walk. I got to think sometimes. I can't think other times. Mm-hmm. I need to get to bed on time. But also, too, I also save space to just be where I'm at. I'm sad. I will just let myself be sad. Like, I don't run from it. I feel like crying, I'll cry. Mm-hmm. I feel angry, I'll be angry. Like, I don't run from my emotions. Mm-hmm. I do. And then I'll sit into it. But the other big thing that I do now that I hadn't been a big fan of before is I use my support system. Mm-hmm. Like my business partner, David Carter, he's like one of the biggest helps that I have because I'm able to bounce thoughts off of him. I know it's a very unbiased opinion. Like I can trust that I can go to him and it's going to stay between us. And I can just literally work my thoughts out with someone other than myself and not be judged. Mm -hmm. And that's essential for me too, being around people where I can do that. Like, if I got a lot going on, I'm a heavy thinker, real deep thinker. I'm constantly in thought. So having people that I can bounce thoughts off of is very essential for me being balanced. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that I make a point to do that. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's typically, I, I get my walks and on top of just whatever I need to do for entrepreneurial pursuits during the day and stuff for the course and stuff with the family. Mm-hmm. I like being on a schedule too, because you're used to it. Yes. And it, you find comfort. Yes. So I would take some time out and just like make a little schedule, bullet points. I got A, B, and C to do today. And I do those. Schedules are a huge thing. Well, what you're talking about there is routine and goal setting, things that you did as an athlete. Like, again, transfer over, right? It's just different. The goals are different, but the process is the same. Mm -hmm. Still setting out that plan. 
you know, I asked a question, not because I think people, oh, Reggie Walker did this, so I'm going to do it. But I wanted people to hear that you have, that you do do something intentionally. Yeah. No matter what it is, that there's things mm. that you do to take care of yourself that are intentional. And so that means, so I really appreciate you saying, you know, this is what works for me. Like everyone's going to be different. But the elements are there for sound mental health. There's moving your body. There's eating in a way that makes you feel good for performance. And your head is not foggy with what you mm. eat. You are labeling and expressing your emotions. You are setting boundaries, knowing your limits, and then leaning on a support system so that you can feel like you're not alone, that you can feel like you have someone to share with. And like you said, in a non-judgmental way. So yours are different, going to be different from mine and different from the next person, but the essential elements of sound mental health are there. So... I think that's super important. By the way, I fast too, and that works for me. I do the intermittent fasting where I stop at eight and then don't eat again till 12. So 8 p.m. till 12 noon. And that's like, it's challenging enough, but not too much. And I love how I feel. So Exactly. It really clears me out. And then the thing is too, like how I eat is, I would say that, I would recommend how I eat to everyone else because I do do the fasting and I do intermittent fasting, but I need better eating habits because I will eat one time a day, more days than not. I'll eat one time a day and then I'll fast the rest of the day, drink water, slump fluids. I might have a little snack. I just don't need to eat a lot personally. But I also give myself those times to eat the gummy worms, eat the cake, <laughs> eat the whatever. Like, I don't deny myself that stuff too. I feel, man, I'm down. You know what? I'm going to eat the cake. I'm going to eat the cake. More times than not, I won't eat the cake, but I will give myself that because sometimes it's just like, man, a pint of ice cream or the gummy worms, it gets the job. Yeah. It just does. And sometimes that's all <laughs> it takes. <laughs> <laughs> You're not right to there with you. <laughs> so this is our snack right now in our house. Well, between me and my husband, it's like really freshly ground, crunchy peanut butter. And then we put like dark chocolate chips in it. And I don't know what was going on last night, but my bowl was way too big. And I was <laughs> for it later, but I was like, ooh, this is my treat. I get to have a little something after my day. And I was like, oh gosh, I overboarded it. But that stuff happens and you learn. And then now I know, like, I'm not going to eat that for a long time now. And when I do, it's not going to be that amount. So we're learning. We learn about ourselves when we do. You learn. We learn. You learn. And then being honest with yourself sometimes, like, man, dude, I'm sick of this diet. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I mean, like, it's okay. I feel like a lot of people in the mental health space, a lot of people, it is good to be on a regimen. It is good to be on a schedule and, be very detailed with it and consistent with it. But I'm a big believer in keeping that space to kind of let yourself have fun sometimes. I agree. I agree. You go crazy just eating a strict diet for your mental health every day of the week. To me, that's not a realistic goal to have. Like, especially me, I love food. Yeah. You know, I might eat once a day, but I'm going to eat a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't snack a lot or, you know, do the dessert thing a lot. But when I do, I'm going in. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's good to give yourself those things. For sure. And keep it in every once in a while, moderation. And I mean, we have to work hard and play hard, right? Exactly. But moderation is the big thing. I'm not doing it every day. I'm not doing it all the time, but I'm not going to deny myself ice cream because I'm so focused on my goals and everything. I can't give myself a, a scoop of ice cream. No. I mean, Me personally, no. What but other people do it. is like having some compassion for yourself in, mm-hmm. in it all, whatever that exactly. looks like, getting more rest, being able to, to go out and like take a break from work, the different things that we do to show compassion for ourselves and gentleness because we work hard. And so it it can't always be that. It can't Mm -hmm. be that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reggie, we've talked about a lot today. Is there anything that you want to make sure you share or include or say before we say goodbye today? I would say thanks for having me. (laughs) That's been great. And I love the conversation I had with you. Definitely go check out my book on Amazon, Game Within a Game. Yes. And you can check my course out through, this is in a lot of universities. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get it through the Knowledge and Innovation Center and Forbes Business School. So yeah, go check it out. Awesome. Awesome. I really enjoyed talking with you too. It, it was a long time coming. I'm so glad we got the chance. You know, you're going to help so many people who listen to this. Just have them think. Have them be curious, have them find their truth if they haven't found it. Be encouraged, be inspired. So I really appreciate you being the human that you are and sharing space with me. And I look forward to the next time. Oh, I as well. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, Reggie. One of my favorite things about our Sportsypreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sports Epreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Sports Epreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsypreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide.